Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Chad Segura. Chad is a Vice President of Publishing at Centricity Music Publishing here in Franklin, Tennessee. If you guys are songwriters and you're wanting to get your songs published and signed to a publishing company, or if you're wanting to work on the business side and work inside a publishing company, then this podcast is for you. So sit back, get a pen and pad, and get ready to take lots of notes. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I'm here with my friend Chad Segura. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. It's How about great. you? I'm good, thank you. It's great to hang out with you and spend some time with you and share uh, your story and get to know you better and let the audience know about what you do. So you work for Centricity Music Publishing. Yes. Here in Franklin, Tennessee. We're just like half an hour south of Nashville. And, um, and so you work in the music publishing world, which is awesome. Yes, it is. It's the kind of... Uh, a little known uh, space, I guess, outside of the music business, but right. uh, but very integral uh, once you're in it. Sure. Real quick before we jump into the, the depths of what music publishing is and how you yeah. kind of got into that, where are you from and kind of how did you get into music to begin with? Yeah, I am originally from Salem, Oregon, so uh, a long way from here. A long ways <laughs> About away. About 2,500 miles away. <laughs> um, and, you know, I got into music as so many do, you know, you just love it and play it and I was I was more a, a vocalist than a, than an instrumentalist but just did a lot of stuff and played and, and performed and did stuff and and you know did some bands and different things as a kid and so I just thought man I want to do that and uh, I ended up uh, coming to school I was a I was a music major in Oregon for a couple years but then transferred out out here found out about uh, Belmont University here in Nashville mm-hmm. and uh, Came out as a, um, transferred as a vocal performance major, and then in that orientation week, when you're doing all your testing and figuring out, you have to do, you know, all these, figure out which ear training class and which theory class and all these different things that you're in. And in that process, I realized, oh, I don't like this. Uh, So (laughs) I was like, I love music, but I don't love that. There were people all around me that were really good at that and loved the, the technical aspect of playing it and, and doing all those things. And I was like, man, uh, that for me, that takes the joy out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, but I love music, and here I am. <laughs> I, sure. just moved, I just moved across the country. Luckily, I moved to a school that also happened to have a music business program. And so 
I met with my advisor and and she said, you know what, let's let's move you over into this. And I switched gears from a music uh, music on the technical and and playing side of things to a business degree that focuses on the music industry, which turned out to be the perfect fit for me. So. It's interesting that you you grew up doing music and singing, and then you had to move across the country and go to college for music to realize that you didn't want to do that. Right. I think that's good for listeners to know kind of right off the bat. Oh, yeah. You know, because college isn't for, for one, college isn't for everybody. Right, for sure. Um, and maybe what you think you're going there for isn't always what you're going to end up doing. You're, it takes that kind of getting in the weeds of, yeah. of the depths of knowing that, the real technicality of certain things that yeah. like I don't really enjoy this like I thought I did. Right, and I've so, been doing it. And so I got there and I was like, oh wait, yeah, no, this this lost its joy for me a while yeah. ago, and it does sometimes just take that. Yeah, that very and it's thing. but it's good that you figured that out towards the beginning yeah. of your college career. Yeah, that you had a place to go and, and shift into something different yep. that's still music related because you knew you wanted right. to do music. Um, but just not in the way that you thought you were going to to begin with, maybe. Exactly. So. And and it's funny because that similar kind of thing followed once once I picked that path, as opposed to being the, the you know on the more performing side of things, being in the in the business side. One one of the things that that uh, you know one of my classes was obviously a publishing class because that's part of the that's, mm-hmm. that's part of the curriculum. And I had a, a great uh, great professor who is still there. Um, uh, James Isaac Elliott, oh, yeah, uh, James. who is uh, who is a friend to this day, but um, you know I was all excited and you know hearing him tell real life stories of hey yes I have cuts on all these Stephen mm-hmm. Curtis Chapman records and all these you know the things that he was doing real life in publishing and yet then he's teaching it over here that opened up a whole new world for me it, it made it seem like oh this is a thing I didn't even know about and it seems really interesting and, and exciting so as part of that then. Uh, when I when it came time to do internships, I did I did a couple different ones, and one was in publishing, and one was in label like marketing and that side of things uh, at a record label, and uh, it was really interesting because I thought the one that I was more excited about was the publishing one, and that was a terrible internship. It was awful. Really? Um, okay. Just what I didn't get to do anything enjoyable or fun. It was basically just, it was back in the old days. So it was like, hey, make tape copies of this, you know, and, and backup copies of these things and, and file these, you know, <laughs> these right. products. And so it wasn't, it, and I'm, I'm all for it, man. In internships, you have to do work, but you also want to learn something. And I didn't really learn anything in yeah. that process. And whereas in my label experience, it was, it was great. They were pulling me into all kinds of things. And I was helping speak into, you know, from a student perspective, but speaking into, they were giving me a voice into marketing campaigns and giving me projects to do and even Mm -hmm. including me in business lunches when it made sense and different things that where it was like, oh, this is the thing. So when I got out of school, that's the direction I headed, even though I had thought that I had wanted to do publishing. Um, I got it. Real quick, I just want to backtrack on that just for a minute, just to kind of go a little deeper. When you finished school is when you got your internships. Correct. It was or, actually actually part of school. Part of school. The, you're doing yeah. interns. So that yep. that's like sort of built in. You know that you're going to have an internship yep. when you're going to Belmont. Yeah. Like they're setting those things up for you. Right. It was a it was a thing. There were various ones available okay. f- to us, and then we would interview for them and okay. you know submit for them and. Sure. So 
as an intern for yeah. someone listening that's thinking okay when i get out of college or maybe during college yeah. i want to try and get internship in in music at a label or a publisher or something yeah. like that what is it that you're physically doing uh, on a day-to-day basis as an intern at the publishing company what did you do for there so yeah you, you mentioned a little bit but I mean, just kind of go a little yeah deeper. i mean it very different well different than what we try and have our interns do but it would be a thing like and once again this is this this dates me but it was uh many moons ago at that point in time in the in the mid 90s there were you know you you were still you know putting things on not necessarily cassette but we were doing things on on um, digital audio tapes so we were backing up creating backup copies we were also doing some things on cd as well burning cds at that point but but it was you know and even that's archaic now but but it was just a lot of things like that it'd be like hey here's our master copy we need you to create copies of these and so you'd have to do it real time which it was it was a slow process of making these tapes and it's like that's fine that's part of what you do yeah but but it wasn't there wasn't ever like a hey and this is how it'll be utilized or any kind of real educational purpose to that and then there was another thing there was one of the projects i had was just they had a file room with with file copies so cd copies of all these things and also print copies of all these books that songs had been in um, music, you know, songbooks, um, and they were just piled everywhere. And it was just basically just put those on the shelves, okay. you know, on these shelves around the room. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, there were ridiculous amounts of them. Um, and I, I would ask, hey, any specific order? No, no, just get them up off the floor and into the onto the shelves. Yeah. So things like that were just like there was grunt no work. rhyme or reason. It was just grunt work yeah. and it, for no purpose. Yeah. Um, but normally what, you know, the thing for me is, yes, there's, there's definitely grunt work or, or the, you know, the just monotonous work that happens in any internship, but you should always be learning something and getting new experiences and yep. things that, that would cause you to at least being around things, even if you're getting to sit in on a meeting here and there yeah. and getting to hear what's happening and, and. Yeah. So at the label internship, you yeah. said you were, you were doing some of those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. No, in, in that scenario, that was much more, you know, on the side of just, Hey, Here's this project. What do you think? What do you think we should do here and help us design this? At that time, once again, it's funny to think back to you know the mid '90s and what, what was happening. But you know, in Christian bookstores, uh, which is was the main place to sell CDs because that was the only way. I mean, at that point, there was no digital music <laughs> being shared, so it was right. all you had to go purchase it. It was a CD or a cassette, mm-hmm. and in those stores, you know, they had big stand-up you know, things that would be, yep. you know, of the, of the artist holding yep. their, cut, their cut doing different things like that, all, all that kind of stuff. And so it would be speaking into that. What should this display look like and how should we do, you know, and, and, uh, um, or we're doing this marketing campaign or we're meeting with this vendor that we're working with. Let's go have lunch with them and mm-hmm. hear about their products and what they're doing. So, so you're getting to work in different, uh, different areas at yeah. the label at, in the internship. Yep. Yeah. So kind of a little, a little bit of a smorgasbord. Yes. Getting to do lots of stuff. And just getting to kind of get a sense of what it's, what it's like. And obviously, yeah, in the process, there's, a, there's a lot of hey, some data entry or whatever yeah. other things that you need to do. Great, because um, that's just part of work in general. But, sure. But I think for me, the part what, that was so great was not only did I have real things to work on, but I also was interacting with people. Whereas the, in the publishing one, for whatever reason, it was like a tomb in there. There was, you're thinking, okay, it's music, but no, doors were shut or people were in cubes and there was no music playing and there's no real interaction. It was kind of like, okay, I'll go off, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything else felt more collaborative in these, in the label side. So yeah. 
So then after you finished up with those things and you're out of college, yeah. where do you transition to that point? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I had kind of decided, I guess I'll work at, a, at the label. And I actually went to that same label to okay. Sparrow Records at okay. that time. It had, had um, been recently purchased by uh, what was EMI at that time, which had, was just forming its EMI Christian Music Group. Now that now that has transitioned, now it's Capital uh, Capital um, Records. But uh, yeah, so they had just purchased a few different um, Sparrow, Star Song, and then uh, Forefront Records were all kind of part of what was EMI Christian Music Group. And I was working at Sparrow, and I got my first job was in publicity, which might sound similar to publishing, but it is not. It, so it, what it, is it, what are you doing in publicity? Yeah, in publicity, you are. Especially, once again, <laughs> that has changed too. Yeah. But at that time, there were magazines. Right. <laughs> there, were, there were things like CCM Magazine yeah. and things like that, that that were actively looking for stories and, and looking for you know content. And, and then obviously there were general market magazines and other things that were, that were doing that. We, were, you know, we had a very active presence in Billboard at that time. The Christian music industry did. Um, not to say it doesn't now, but it was just it was just a different time. Sure. And there were things we had artists, you know, that were doing things on on national TV shows. And so it's publicity is all about just promoting those um, those artists to outside entities that that can let the can end consumer know about them. Yeah. Uh, so that is it was great to learn about. I quickly determined that I did not want to be a publicist, and that that was definitely not my not my path. Uh, well, I don't believe in luck, but as luck would have it, uh, um, God luckily uh, guided uh, the, the process for me, and it got to a point where, gosh, maybe a year in, maybe just shy of that, my boss ended up getting promoted to head up the artist development team, which was marketing, basically. Mm-hmm. So she gave me the choice of staying in publicity or going with her, and I took the opportunity to try something new and yeah. so went into marketing with her which was great that was all about more more of what I had kind of done in my internship so that was more focused on trying to uh, let the end consumer know about the product in that case it's, that's that's the difference uh, you know in the publicity is trying to just let them know about here's the artist and here's what they're doing and here, here's what's here's what's happening in this case it's more about hey here's their new CD and you need to you need to buy it and so it's just figuring out ways to do that that felt a little bit better to me. I liked that better, and I worked with, you know, in in both spots, worked with awesome, amazing people on the label side as well as great artists, and and some great managers as well, artist managers that is. But it still wasn't scratching that itch for me. So about you know another year into that, I was like, man, this is uh, close, but not not the same thing. And once again, the kind of the th- thing I talk about. You know, often it, when I'm, you know, telling people about just the path and figuring out your your thing, I realized just like I did when I got to school, there were a bunch of people around me that were super passionate about doing that, doing the music, mm-hmm. and and doing all that technical side, and I wasn't. So I was like, okay, well, let me pivot and find what my version is. So then, once I got into the business side, it was a similar kind of thing. Publicity. I was like, man, there are people here that are just passionate about this and great at it. I'm not that. That this stresses me out, and right. it's not. Yeah. It's not my thing. Then, it, then it got a little bit better in the marketing side. Hey, this is a little closer. But then I looked around at people my age that were like, and and nearby that were like, 
man, this is great. And they're eating, sleeping, and drinking it. And this is just like, this gets them up in the morning. And I was like, yeah, I can do this, but it's not a thing that like feeds my soul. And, and these guys are going to be better at it than me just because of that passion that, that's in them. So it kind of just kept me on that search for figuring out what is, what is that? What is that passion for me? And at that time, a new position was being created in the publishing company there at EMI, which is where, incidentally, I had also had my internship. Oh, so really? I had both of them uh, in, that, in those places, and I was like, eh, I don't think so. Full circle. But, right. But as, a, as I uh, had some conversations and found out about what this role was and what it could be, it made me think, well, this is more hands-on with the music, which is what I really was realizing I wanted. In the marketing roles, and this doesn't mean that this is true, but for me, when I was in the marketing or publicity roles, I felt like I could be marketing or, or promoting um, widgets at that point in time, it, because we were talking about a, a plastic disc. And, and it, even though that's not the case, many people that do that and do that well are super passionate about the artistry and the ministry and all the things that are happening. But for me, it didn't, it didn't do that. For me, I realized I want to be more hands-on with the, with the music itself. So I ended up getting this position. Um, it, it was catalog development manager, which was just about trying to get into the song catalog of all these songs and figure out ways to monetize that. A lot of that ended up being um, what was modern worship at that time because we were just launching worship together at that time and we were just oh, yeah. starting to work with... Um, with all the, it was funny because I was coming up at the same time with all these people, you know, with uh, Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman and all these guys. We were all the same age and just kind of starting to, kind of figure this thing out before it was a thing. Right. And so I, you know, I was grateful to be able to work with that. But then I also got to work, you know, with uh, a lot of other great artists. I mean, obviously guys that, you know, people that had already been there, people like Stephen Curtis Chapman and. And, and others that, that were are on our label already and that we would then publish. So I've just moved from the, being in a role of being on their marketing team to now being in, on their publishing team. Bands like Switchfoot, um, just a lot of different breadth and depth of things. And what I discovered in the publishing side was, yeah, it's still work. There's still a lot of things that are hard, a lot of things that are like not, it's not like it's this, you know, puppies and rainbows kind of you know experience <laughs> every day there's there's a there's a lot there's a reason that it's work and yeah. that we get paid to do it however what i realized was i'm passionate about great songs right. you know great songs great songwriters great artists and so for me to be able to be in there and be involved on the ground level with helping get them created in the first place and then helping them find homes and other outlets and and streams of revenue was exciting and it also I'm I'm very ADD so it's like I I can't do just one thing all the time sometimes that is to my detriment just because <laughs> you know it's a lot to track but for the most part what I realized with publishing was I didn't have to pick a specific lane I had certain responsibilities that I had but then what I realized was when I got done with these things when I you know had them under control I could then reach out to another area within publishing and say, hey, I like that. Uh, you know, I'm interested in that. I, I could help if you need help in this area. Sure. And so, you know, whether that was, we were starting to do, we were just dipping our toe in the area of film and TV at that point in time okay. and licensing. And uh, that was super fascinating to me. So I've started stepping into that and helping out there. 
Um, there are all kinds of facets of publishing everything. For me, I look at it as, a, in my world, my career thus far has in these, let's see, I've been a publisher for 21 and a half years, I guess. I'm coming up on 24 years in, in the industry in general, but most of it's been as a publisher. And in that, I get to dabble in all kinds of things. Worship's always been a part of it for me. CCM kind of radio songs is always right. a part of it as well. And sync, um, which is you know film and TV licensing yep. songs, songs for that has always been a part of it. And then we get to dabble in other things. We're we're you know working hard these days to kind of press more into the country market, and we've got some guys that are doing some cool stuff there. You know, starting to push into our most of our pop stuff ends up happening in the film and TV world, but but even starting to push into some of the other areas of pop as well. But for me, that's the great part, is that I get to kind of just be involved in all of them. And it's really just wherever um, wherever a good song can, can, you know, live. And for us, it's, you know, we work with writers, obviously, first and foremost, but we also work with our artists who are writers. And so we have, uh, and we can, we can get more, I'm sure you have questions about, about publishing in particular, but I will say... We, we work with two distinct groups of writers. We have staff writers that write for other people, and then we have artist writers that write for their own artistry. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's never dull. We have, yeah. we have a, a lot of folks we work with. And, and now, so you, now you currently are with Centricity Music. Yes. And how long have you been here? I have been here almost four and a half years. Okay. Um, and you're vice, vice president of yes. publishing. Yes, yep. Yeah, so my role is just to head up the publishing company, and um, I'm involved in you know all the areas, but but mostly you know oversee it. Our our side of things, and I'll, I guess I can get into that too. Publishing is basically broken up into two, in its most simplistic terms, it's broken into two halves. There's the creative side and the administrative side. The creative side is everything working with the writers and working with the songs and finding opportunities for them and generating revenue and doing all those things. The administrative side is all the detail stuff that has to happen um, in order for this to not just be a hobby. Um, And so we could do a bunch of really cool things and make fun stuff happen, but if nobody's tracking it, if nobody's registering it, if nobody's licensing it, if nobody's going out there and collecting the revenue and doing all that stuff, then we don't have a business. So. I oversee it all, but we don't do any of the admin in-house other than we have, uh, we have someone on our team that is our direct liaison to our administrator, but then we, use, we utilize, and it's funny, back to full circle. Uh, three years ago, I moved our, our admin um, responsibilities over to Capital um, CMG, which is EMI, which is where I where started. So, so they do our admin for us. It's still a lot of the same people. I know those guys well. They're great, and they're, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're the best uh, in in our business at that. So, that piece I oversee, but I don't have to be into the weeds in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I deal with it as far as just making sure everything is flowing the way it needs to be, and if there are issues. You know, I'll, I'll speak into it or, or flag things for them, but they're great at what they do. Yeah. And so for our, us and our team, we're all about trying to just find talent, find songs, because some, sometimes it's not the, you know, we, we work in two ways. We have writers that are signed to us in those two buckets that I mentioned, the, the staff writers 
uh, that write for other people and then the artist writers. But then we also do a decent amount of single song agreements where we just identify a song out there that we're like, hey, we think we could help you with that. We think we could do something with yeah. that. And so we'll partner with somebody on a specific copyright. So how do you make that determination? Let's look at the single song agreements yeah. for a minute. How do you make that determination to decide to sign someone? Like, do you go out, do you hear a song somewhere and then and you have to de determine if it's not signed already and then you're like, right. I want to go find this person and work with them? Or is a writer or an artist reaching out to you saying, hey, I've got this song and I would love to get it signed and, and, and be published with you guys? And like, how do you determine yeah, yeah. to work with somebody on that level? Yeah, um, so yeah, I'll, I will start with the single songs. That's, that's kind of a, a good entry point. Usually we'll become aware of it somehow. There are kind of the, the, the two main ways it's hard for us to just take songs from random people that are sending them to us right. for a number of reasons, not the least of which is just for legal reasons. Yeah. It, can be, it can be dangerous to, to accept unsolicited music, which is something that we didn't ask for directly from somebody. And one, one thing that I just encourage people to do is, man, you can most likely, you know somebody that that knows us or knows somebody that knows somebody that can that can get to us it's way better for us to get it from a trusted source where they can vet it because we know they're not going to send us everything right and so and and even one of the easy ways to do that is if you're a writer you're most likely affiliated with one of the pro's ascap bmi or csac are the three main ones right and if you're not then you should be and then in that that is an advocate for you. And those are people that we then trust and that will send stuff to us. You know, you can send something to them. Hey, I think this would be great for this. And they'll determine whether or not they want to, you know, risk their reputation to, to come to us and, and get those to us. So that's how you get the things from the outside. But more often than not, we either A, identify it somehow, like somebody plays the song for us or we hear it somewhere or one of our, maybe one of our writers um, is co-written with somebody and they're like, hey, this, is, this writer's great and this song's great and we'll, we'll want to reach out to them and just say, hey, would you like to work together on this particular song? It's a great way for us to try this. Sometimes that's all it ends up being. We just do one song together. Maybe we do a, you know, two or three over time. But other times that then turns into something where we realize, hey, you're doing this consistently. This seems to work together. Do we want to move this into something more exclusive, where we have an exclusive writer-publisher relationship, and you're only writing for us? Right. But yeah, th those those kind of scenarios. That's that's kind of how that that works. The other way that we'll sometimes do single songs um, these days is if we do an event where we invite somebody that is an unsigned writer. We have various. Um, sync camps that we'll do where we bring in a bunch of writers and we'll bring music supervisors in from LA mm -hmm. and we'll have people write for it and in that case it's mostly our writers occasionally there are you know two or three from from other publishers but it's usually mostly our guys and then maybe some outside people that are unsigned and in those that's the always the understanding hey if you do this then we're gonna go ahead and do single song publishing agreements with anything you write during this during this event. We do the same thing for a, wor a worship retreat that we do yearly as well. Okay, that's cool. What about as far as signing a staff writer, how do you go about finding staff yeah. writers? Is it, is it sim <laughs> a similar process or is it completely different? It's kind of, it, it's similar in the sense that, you know, we kind of just hear something 
we start hearing that somebody is is good sometimes uh you know sometimes it'll be someone that we've known for years and maybe they're coming out of a publishing deal and we know how oh, they're going to be available um or they are maybe they're already out and so they're wanting to talk about something but more often than not it's just that thing of like yeah we just we catch wind of somebody that's like man it, it we either are moving from a We've done enough of these single songs. I think this is a thing. Maybe mm-hmm. we want to do this on a more, you know, uh, formal and exclusive kind of basis. Or it's just somebody that you identify out there that you're like, man, I keep hearing about this person. Or yeah. anytime our our writers keep writing with this person, and anything they do together seems great. We we should talk to that person. But you know, as far as a, ro- a roster of writers. Especially on the, I mean, artist writers kind of are their own thing. They're, they're writing most, almost exclusively for their own artistry. And that's, that's its own very specific thing. When you've got staff writers, though, they all have specific skill sets and leanings toward different genres or different, you know, different strengths. And so for us, we're very intentional about that. Um, just knowing, hey, how many producer writers, you know, do we need? And, and are they different enough from each other to where they're not stepping on each other? And in some cases, you need multiple of one thing, just because you're like, there isn't enough to go around, sure. so we need this. And how many great lyricists do we have? And do we have some great... I just Some people are just really great at concepts, just coming up with a big idea and, and maybe mel- melodically strong. So it's just kind of figuring out that balance and knowing, okay, A, how much can we physically work with you know because it takes a lot Mm -hmm. um to make sure we're serving them them well and then b do they fit our roster it's funny because those are on the technical side then i would i would i would add though most important thing for me especially at this point in my career is do i you know do i love this person (laughs) you know do they fit do they fit what we what we do and that's you know when i say do i love them doesn't mean they need to be like me. They, they may be very different from me, but they're just there's something that's like, man, I want to see this person win. They fit our culture and our work style, and and we think that we can enhance what they do. Bring yeah. bring something, you know. There are plenty of people that I love that I don't work with. A because we just don't have room, or B because I don't. Maybe maybe we don't fit what they do the best. We right. may not be the one that that can bring the best thing to them. But it's really, it's very much for us, it starts super relationally. The bar, though, is always, man, amazing talent. Have to have amazing talent or we're not even going to be, you know, that's, people think that that's the pinnacle. That's the, that's the, that's the baseline. That's the baseline. Yeah. It really is. It's like the amazing talent is we wouldn't be talking unless we think, hey, there's something here that's, re-, even if in its rawest form, there's something pretty, pretty special here. Then it's that next thing of going, hey, do they fit? Do they fit? Are they are they part of our culture? Do they do, do we fit them? It's it's a two way kind of a, a thing, but it's I'm not quick to r- run in rush into long term deals with with anybody. Um, different people have different philosophies on that kind of thing. I, have I missed out on things because I am more about hey let's make sure relationship and all those things are are right before we do it. Yeah, I, I'm sure I have, but I also. You know, for me, I, I value the long-term relationship, and I want to be in business. When I when when we enter into a deal with somebody, whatever the term is, my hope is always, hey, when the end of that term is done, we're just figuring out how to do the next one mm-hmm. because it's working for everybody. Sure. Now, does that work every time? No. 
yeah. it doesn't. It's just that's just real. But yeah. but the hope and expectation is always that this is a long term thing, yeah. and we'll get to work together for years and years and years, and everyone's going to win. Everyone's going to be better off for having partnered together. Yeah. When you sign a staff writer, because the times have changed, technology has changed, and the music industry has changed so much that there's just not as much money to be made musically mm-hmm. in, any longer right. like it used to be, especially in the 90s. That was pretty much the pinnacle, yep. you know, late 90s. So a, a lot of people I've talked with that are songwriters that are published, you know, talk about that there is no, there's no upfront fees that they're paid by by a publisher any longer. They're not on a salary, so, so to speak, you know, any longer. It's, you know, you're just working, you're writing and then you get the back end if it gets, if it gets cut. And if not, then, you know, you're just kind of doing it for free, hoping for the best. Is that, have you seen the industry in Christian music? Yeah. Are you guys, and you don't have to go into details by yeah. any means, but are you guys able to pay staff writers a stipend up front to be a writer or does a writer have to be bivocational yeah right sense. right uh well the answer to that is yes and yes yes and yes um the first one is yes and no sorry i will say that yes and no on the on the do we pay them uh, up front some we do some we don't okay and do they need to be bivocational all of them yes and what that and and that's i'm really glad you brought that up so the the payments that are made to writers are actually just advances on right. their future royalties. So a lot of people don't realize that, and they think of it, you know, as as you even mentioned, so many people do think of it as their salary. Hey, right. I got this, you know, whatever. Yeah, and hey, pay, I got a raise when I worked this. It's like, oh no, yeah, this is just us giving you your half of the money up front, right. hoping that we'll make ours back and that right. we'll all make money in this. Now, it's the best loan you'll ever get because it, you don't have to pay it back. I mean, the only way you have to pay it back is if you make the money. If you make the money. But if the money doesn't come in, we don't then come send collection agents you know, out, right. to, out to get that money back from you. That said, it has. It's shifted. I've watched the advances come down and down and down. Um, we, have, we have writers on our roster that have advances um, of varying levels. None of them huge because it's just it's not, that's not how that works. Uh, and then we have um, multiple writers that have zero. And it, it really just kind of, um, it's all negotiable. You know, yeah. those are, that's, that's part of the whole thing. But that, that changes as your success yeah, exactly. as a writer goes up and up and you start getting hit songs exactly. and that's going to change. And honestly, some of the guys, per, like they, they actually purposely um, opt out of one just because they're like, yeah, no, I think this will be good and let's make money. And it works really well. They then, they get to actually, um, I say real time, it's not real time because there's a lag in publishing payments um, right. just because it takes a while to get, for us to get it. Yeah. But they do get to actually see like the actual benefits of what they do. If you get paid in advance and you've been getting an advance for two years, say, and then something big happens and now you've got a, a cut and it's a radio single and it's a whatever... Radio single is probably not the best example because you do get your writer's share directly. Um, but we'll, we'll say it lands in a, in, a, in a movie or a TV show and it, and it generates a decent amount. When that comes in, you've basically already gotten that money. That already right. happened already most likely. Yep. And so it's just you're just digging out of the hole that you had. So there's something that's not as satisfying sometimes for people of like, hey, I got this big windfall. It's like, oh, good. So now I'll catch up, you know, to, to where I where I am now already and oh i've already spent that money i've already done that 
So it's, that's part of the thing too, is just figuring out, you know, some people want, want need that upfront. Mm-hmm. I need some kind of a regular payment, one just for budgeting purposes and all those things. Great, I mm-hmm. get that. But yeah, it, it really does depend. And then to your point about, yeah, the revenue, yeah, it's definitely shifted. I mean, we don't have, you know, a stream doesn't pay anywhere near what a download paid, which, you know, which downloads were were enough of a hit for us because then people could buy a la carte instead of buying the album. When they bought the album, if you were track seven or track one, you still made the same money every right. time it, it sold. Whereas once it moved to downloads, then all people cared about for the most part was the single. And so maybe track seven didn't people didn't didn't um, buy too many of. Right. And then now that it's streaming, it's a la carte, so it's still focused on on whatever specific songs. But it's but you're getting paid a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what you would have gotten paid oh, on a, yeah, on a it's download. Ridiculous. So, you know, we're constantly as an industry working to try and and get them, you know, the powers that be to to raise those rates so that we can make more uh, on a per stream basis. But it's basically just spread it out. Now, the good news about that, though, is on the streaming front, the, the thing that is uh, beneficial about that is the fact that instead of a one-time sale where you got your money back here, you, if somebody keeps listening to your song over the years, you do catch up to what you would have gotten if it had been purchased back here. And then potentially you continue to make money for years to come even more than you ever would have because every time they stream it, you make a little bit. So it's just, it's just a different thing. It's more the long tail uh, principle of, of revenue. Um, but there are also, like, like I've said, you know, there are other ways to generate revenue. There's CCLI for, for worship songs that are getting performed out there. There's, there's uh, you know, the synchronization licenses when you get something in film or TV or advertising or gaming. So there's just, you know, you're spreading it out. We're always trying to figure out, okay, what are the things? How, how do we generate revenue we make some when people stream it or buy it we make some when they play it on the radio we make some when they you know sync it when they when they perform it in a church when they put it in a songbook you know there's it's the cool part about publishing is that we've got a lot of options we don't just have to go oh shoot that recording didn't work nobody nobody cared about buying or streaming that one well we could if we believe in a song we can go find other homes for it right but it takes a lot, and so it is not what it what it used to be. Now, some people do really well, but for the most part, people need to be, you know, if you're a writer, a lot of our guys are also producers, and so they're producing records for people, both on labels and independently. Um, we've, we've got people that teach. We've got people that do, you know, just different, different kinds of roles in order to, you know, kind of help. Uh, you know, multiple it's, streams. Of yeah, income. I was going to say it's not it's not even yeah. a side hustle anymore. It's yeah. just you've got multiple hustles. That's right. And, and that's what so, the whole point of this podcast yeah. is, is for people yeah. to know that it for the majority of us, it takes multiple streams of income yeah. to be able to do this for a living. Yeah. Um, I know we got to kind of cut short here because you got another meeting to get to. So I think I want to thank you for your time real quick as we just kind of close out. Can you give a couple of bits of advice yeah. for someone who two things? Someone who wants to get into publishing, yeah, as on the publishing side of things, right? And then also for um, an artist or a songwriter who wants to get a publishing deal, right. what would you suggest for to someone trying to get into either of those paths? Yeah, well, the publishing one is a little more 
straightforward in that you kind of need to be where where they're doing that. Okay. So um, uh, even more than the, there's there's advantage to ha- for writers to be in communities where they're writing, you know, and in towns where they're doing that. Um, you know, places like Nashville, of course, and like LA and New York, and depending on the types of music, Atlanta, different different things, all different different cities have different kind of um, strengths. But the, the, there's value in that. It's not a must for writers, um, but I'll circle back to that. On, on the publishing front, it's important. It's important to be there. You know, you need to be in a place where where you can do that. You need to be willing to to just learn and try you know um, get your foot in the door uh, if you're not enrolled in a school it's harder to get internships uh, especially at the bigger companies just because of how they're set up but if you are um, if, if for independent companies even like ours it is possible even as a you know if you're not you don't have to be enrolled in school to get an internship so you can find some places just learn and pour in and get a job that you can that you can pay for you know life while you're trying to do that but i think internships are, are one of the best ways to to just try and learn learn the thing and get your foot in the door and get people to know who you are okay that's great and then on the writer side a write. i mean it sounds it sounds so simple and silly and trite but it's like writers write and so i think if if you want to be a professional writer you need to already be a writer uh, i'll sometimes hear that thing of like man i want to be a writer and i want to do that it's like well you either are or you aren't and so develop that craft hone it know how to write on your own but also know how to collaborate and find people around you wherever you're at you know learn learn how to do that always try and write with people that are better than you and then there is that piece of at some point you might realize wherever you're at I don't know, you know, wherever you are in, in the world or in the country, um, you may not have the resources, you may not have the people around you to, to create this, this environment of, of creativity. And, and, uh, and if not, then I would say, you know, you might want to think about moving somewhere. And I'm not telling you to uproot your family and do all your stuff, you know, be, be smart, be responsible, do these things. But, but I think if it's something that you feel called to do and you want to go all in, there is benefit in being in a creative community. Now, does that guarantee that you're going to get a publishing deal? No, there's a lot of really talented people that, that don't have deals currently. doesn't mean, though, that they aren't still getting opportunities and finding ways to you know, monetize their music. But I think the way that you get on our radar is, is by delivering great music, like I said earlier, through somebody, through a trusted source, if you don't know us directly, and then you know us kind of starting to have develop a relationship now if you live here local that is a lot easier we have some writers that don't live here but most of our writers live around here and we can put them in rooms with other writers and artists at any given day uh but it's it's not an absolute must but i think at the end of the day and hone your craft be be excellent at what at what you're doing and I think the, the, the things that I like to, to tell anybody that's, that's kind of coming into this spot, what I'm always looking for is I want, I want people, obviously, back to that thing, baseline is phenomenal talent. You just need, need to have that extra thing because we have lots of talent all around us that we, that we still can't, don't have time and energy to work with. Mm-hmm. So got to have that. And then you've got to have that work ethic and that um, the ability to just do whatever needs to be done in order to make it happen because it takes a lot. You got to have a great attitude. 
because because stuff is just hard and and you've got to be willing to just like let stuff roll off you because rejection is rampant you know we, we deal with it as publishers <laughs> our, our writers deal with it um, it's just there, there's a lot of that and then you've got to just be teachable be in the, you know be be a person that is willing to you know not coming in having it all figured out always being you know open to the fact that hey how how can I make this better? How can how can I be better? Yeah. Those things those things will serve you well in in everything anything you're really trying to do, but especially in the creative endeavors. Yeah, man, that's great information. Thank you very yeah, much for pleasure. for taking time and sharing with us all this great wealth of information. Yeah. Um, man, I, I just I'm very grateful for that, and I think yeah. people will be able to take all of that and apply it to their their lives and their careers, and it'll make a big difference for them. So awesome. Well, thank you, Chad, for pleasure. your time and for letting me come hang out with you at Centricity Publishing. And I'm looking at on the wall at all these um, albums and artists that you've worked with and Lauren Daigle and Manifest and Jordan Feliz. And I mean, you guys are doing great work and, and it's, it's um, visible because, you know, Lauren is on number one song on Billboard, you know, recently. Yeah. And and Jordan's all over the radio and yeah. billboard and all these types of things. So you guys are doing great work. So we're, thank you. We're having fun, working awesome. hard, and we get to work with great, great artists and writers. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's great spending time with you. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Have I a great day. It. Thank you guys so much for joining us today for my conversation with Chad Segura. I really hope you were able to take all of the information that we talked about regarding music publishing and songwriting and figuring out how to put those things together for your career and that you can take the information and apply it in a useful way. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, or FaceTime. Be sure to let me know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.